Welcome to the Home Service Business Coach Podcast with your host, David Moerman. You will learn to grow your home service business and transition from being the technician in your business to being the CEO and leading your team to success. Get a front row seat where you will get practical advice from industry experts on how you can level up your home service business. Get ready to take some notes because we're going to jump right into it here. Everyone, what's going on? Uh, we're back here for part two of the top 10 mistakes that pressure washing business owners and home service business owners make in their business. And so um, we've got part one you can go check. We just dropped that last week uh, where I hit points one to five. Uh, today we're going to be doing point six to ten. Um, and you're probably going to find yourself uh, in maybe making some of these mistakes, maybe one of them, maybe making all ten. Um, and so I'm going to lay it out here for the uh, part two right here. And so um, let's just dive right in. Okay, Part uh, number six mistake that home service business owners make is this is a big one okay pricing too cheap or pricing with their own wallet in mind i firmly believe most home service business owners um, are uninformed of the cost needed that's actually to run their business properly and i think a lot of us got into business maybe as self-employed we thought hey we're making you know 30 dollars an hour at our other job if we can make 40 or 50 dollars an hour at our own business like we must be killing it right making all this extra money but there's something in business called overhead that you're going to find as you scale up your company you're going to incur more overhead and that can be staff salaries that can be software plugins that can be investing in your own learning um, fuel you know marketing expenses it just really adds up for the students that we work with we call it their numbers dashboard and we actually go in um, and plan out their budget for the year so that they can actually see how much they actually need to be charging for their services and we have very few clients we work with that we end up actually not increasing the prices that they're charging and so you know if you're closing 80 percent of your jobs right now like that's good but it's actually not good because the, the business success financially is measured in gp or gross profit right and you're going to be significantly more happy say booking 45 percent of your jobs but they're bid at a premium rate um, that's going to be significantly better than you closing 80 percent of your bids right you're converting everything but at a lower price point because maybe in the first example you've got twenty thousand dollars of gross profit after you pay your crew and materials and maybe in the second example right maybe you only have eleven thousand five hundred dollars of gross profit so conversion alone is not the full equation to dictate success in the business it's, it's dollars and dollars measured in gross profit and so you want to find that sweet spot of intersection from conversion rate to what your price point is and for us generally we see that around 40 to 60 percent of bids converting at a premium price rate and so if you're not living in an affluent neighborhood you're probably not your ideal avatar client and so you gotta like put to death your current mindset of how you view money and how you view things and actually see someone living in a two million dollar house that makes three hundred thousand dollars per year and owns a company or owns a practice or or a service of some kind how do they think right is two thousand dollars to you you hold it this tightly so tightly an affluent homeowner two thousand dollars they're like you know what let's just go take care of it because i would rather buy back my time and not deal with any bs 
Um, and, and when you become that affluent homeowner, you're going to learn you actually don't want to be in business with $99 people because maybe cheap on the front end, but they're going to cost you issues on the back end. So generally the people who haggle you on price generally are not super affluent. They don't really value their time and they're going to try and beat you up on price. So really your ideal is, is creaming your market and finding those thousand clients who are going to pay a thousand dollars a year to you and not haggle you on the price. And that's not everybody. It's definitely not everybody. It's a bit of, um, a needle in the haystack, but once you find that right neighborhood, you've got to start dominating in there and you've got to start finding more ideal avatars. And so your price is the foundation you build your whole business on. And I'm going to do more content on this because I'm just so passionate about it. Um, but ultimately, that's mistake number six is we price too cheaply. We stay busy. We don't stay profitable. And we do a 50K month and we have 50K of expenses. Well, what is the point of that? And so you got to be very cautious as you scale up that your price book is actually in the right place. Now, when you get those ideal affluent clients, amazing, you want to find more of them. And so mistake seven is I think we miss the boat. We don't actually go and market effectively to the neighborhoods in to the neighbors in the neighborhoods that we work in. It's a mouthful. And so you want to know the quote that birds with a feather flock together. And once you find that ideal avatar client, you've got to look left, right. You've got to look up the street, down the street, across the street behind the house because there are other ideal prospects that you want to go and be selling with your services there because you can help more people, you can build a tighter route, and you're going to create brand recognition in the area. Um, when I had my student painting company, I had literally two neighborhoods that we produced north of $80,000 of work in. At the time, our, our paint jobs on houses were about $5,000 a piece. So I had a good amount of houses that we were painting in subdivisions with like 200-ish houses. And, and we we're getting, you know, 17 of them kind of thing. Um, it, it was just like total domination, right? Every, you know, 10th house, my painting company was painting. And then I developed a reference page specifically for that. That neighborhood so it took multiple seasons but that's how you start to dominate a neighborhood so learn the property values learn what school the kids go to that you know are our children of the affluent homeowners start to get to know that community um, and don't be a stranger in there like i'd rather you go get I don't want you Instagram famous. The world knows you. I'd rather you be famous in your neighborhoods that you work in. So when you roll up, they're like, oh yeah, Dave's the guy who has a washing company. They do this, this, and this. They've done like all the neighbors. So you might as well just use them too. You want to make it easy for your clients. So don't miss the low-hanging fruit marketing in the areas. Um, that's, a, again, a whole nother piece of content. I just want to keep going on the mistakes. Um, but stay diligent with this because it's not the harvesting of the seeds that create the outcome it's actually just planting the seeds daily and letting the seeds grow and you're going to see ones pop up and be like oh yeah i delivered us or i put signs up in this neighborhood like a month ago now people are starting to call me for it so don't measure your success on the harvest you plant every day measure the success on the seeds that you actually plant in your business that's what's going to propel you forward okay number eight all of us do this and we've screwed this up, right? We do a poor job reaching out to our past clients, okay? We think, oh, we did such a good job for Mrs. Smith, she's gonna call us back. No, she's not. Mrs. Smith is so busy getting a little bit busier every single week, every single month, you need to go on the offensive and reach back to Mrs. Smith by way of an email, a text message, a phone call, a postcard, whatever sequence you want to set up. There's all kind of software you can set up with that. Um, we found though, reaching back out personally with a personalized email has worked great. And so if someone's giving you money, 
and they haven't given you money in 12 months, that's a perfect time just to check in. Hey, Mrs. Smith, it's been a while. It's Dave with Revive. We got some jobs coming up in your neighborhood. I wanted to see if you wanted to get back on our schedule. We can take care of the cleaning at your home. Here's our services. Please email me back. P.S. We also have a special that goes on to the end of the month where you can save $100 off whatever, 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 right? Say it. You're going to get a better conversion on that just off like a mass email going out. So we'll still use our mass emails out through MailChimp, but I've really found the personal outreaches have like worked really well for us this year. So um, however you want to set it up, don't neglect your current client because um, what I've traditionally found is say if you have a thousand clients in your database, um, you have a hundred thousand dollars of work you're sitting on, give or take, but you just need to go reach out and rebook them. And especially if you're offering multiple services, it's great to reach out and offer those multiple services rather than just say, book for your windows, book for your windows. Like, did you also know we also do soft washing or gutter cleaning or we're launching a holiday light division that we're pre-selling, right? Just a lot of this stuff comes second nature to me because I've done it for so long, but to someone maybe newer in the business, maybe you're hearing this as like a wake-up call, um, don't go and just get more clients. Look at plugging the hole in your leaky bucket right now and you're gonna have a significantly better business it's just like this is just like basic low-hanging fruit but a lot of us just miss this because there's such a dopamine boost with a new customer new customer new customer how about selling a client that's already given you money we we neglect this so you need to make it a discipline maybe you need to put it in your calendar maybe monthly or every two weeks for an hour like check in with past clients right send out maybe 30 emails just individually click 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 it's not scalable but it will get you know 10 to 20 percent reply rate of which you can go and rebook those people in your schedule all right, two left. Number nine, I would say, is that core values are essentially non-existent in most pressure washing companies. If I asked you right now, what are your three, four, maybe five core values? Can you rattle them off? If, you, if you're saying yes to that, how about can your team say them as well? These need to be talked about monthly at minimum with your company. When we onboard new people, we're showing them our onboarding presentation, which we address our five core values of our company. So this is so non-woo-woo and fundamental to the growth of your company because the core values that you set are going to dictate who joins your company, how they behave, and where your company ultimately goes for the long haul, right? And so you can't just make these core values, like for example, our second core value is excellence, right? If I just said excellence is a core value at Revives, we want to follow this. We never want to settle for a job good enough and we want to blow our clients, um, you know, knock our clients' socks off with the service that we offer, right? Let's say that that's our, our state of excellence. Well, if the owner himself, me, is not conducting myself in an excellent way or saying, ah, that's good enough, don't worry about that. Hey, we way overcharged this client. You know what, don't worry about that. Just let, Let's just leave it. Maybe they won't notice. Um, hey, we didn't actually clean out like the upper top gutter. We left it because the homeowner will never see it. That's not behaving in excellence. And so if you get you know, a, a value breach, we call it, where the values you write are actually incongruent with how the company's acting, there's going to be big issues. And so this stays as a true north for how your company actually behaves. And you start attracting people that are going to live out those core values. Because for, for training, window cleaning, pressure washing, gutter cleaning, our, our boot camp is five days. We can train somebody in, I would say in two weeks, they can be 70% proficient for the services that we have to do. And over the coming months, we're going to coach them up to say 90% plus 
um, to be a rock star in our company. So it's not like crazy technical, the skills that you're teaching. And that's why I like service-based businesses that you can train somebody fairly easily and it doesn't take four years of schooling to go learn how to clean windows because this creates scalability with the business and it allows you to easily transfer skills. So then assuming that's the case that the tacit skills can be taught easily, this becomes really an issue of core values and is like who actually fits our ethos of our business, who actually has a solid attitude that we can train and invest in and coach up. And like the best rock stars in our company have never come in with 10 years of window cleaning experience. They've come in working at a different company. They've been a core value fit and we've plugged them into our system and now they're crew leads today. So you need to like home grow your own talent from the base up, but I would not invest into training somebody if they don't fit the core value. So that goes right back to our behavioral based interview process where we actually gauge for these specific values that we wanna have someone live out. Um, and they need to pass our sniff test to come into our company so we invest our time, resources, energy into training them because turnover will kill your business. And we're not running a seasonal business anymore where we plug students in for a few months. Like we're running year round with all of our services now. And I want people who view this as a as a career and not just a job that they're passing through. So we want technicians at our business a minimum of two years uh, and ideally advancing them on into upward mobility by way of hybrid roles, production manager, or maybe even jumping different divisions and learning sales or office or marketing. So look for those core values, create them this week. I would not live another day in business if you've not thought long and hard about your core values uh, and how they exist. And and we deep dive this training in my coaching program too. So again, this could be more content that we could dive deeper on, but I just want to stay on task with our, with our big mistakes right now. All right. Number 10 or number, uh, yeah, number 10 for part two um, is going to be uh, that most home service business owners I believe that they actually underestimate the hunger and the hustle that it takes to succeed with a home service business. You're listening to this right now. 80% of the viewers watching this are not going to make it to their fifth year in business, right? That's just the brutal reality. This is not a job or a career. Entrepreneurship is a lifestyle. And I think that most home service business owners don't attack it with the same velocity that they need to. I got a buddy, he went into business, he saw what I was doing, he thought he could go start his own business, awesome, helped him, coached him, poured into him, uh, and he said he loves entrepreneurship, why? Because he gets to sleep in and go hang out at Starbucks. I said, man, that is so far from the truth. I wake up in the morning, rarely from an alarm clock, because I just dive into my goals, because my, like, my brain shifts on, and I'm like, cool, I can't wait to go create this right now. I can't wait to go create this piece of content, get it up on YouTube, get it up on the podcast, share it around with those I think I can help. It's like inside my blood, inside my DNA. And you may feel this way about your cleaning business as well, or your painting business or landscaping business. You just can't wait to keep working on it because you feel it's your message to take out to the world. You don't need to listen to rah-rah motivation to tell you to go get after it. Like, yeah, you'll have a few days a month where you feel low, but generally, like, this is your calling on earth, what you want to be doing, where you want to be investing your time. And that's where it gets really exciting because if you are in the 20% that can make it to their fifth birthday and you can stay in this business as a marathon and build it for a multi-season, if not decade or multi-decade, that's where this something called the compounding effect starts to tick in and you get this snowball effect going. And I think what we see online is we see running a business is easy, like starting a business is easy. 
running it properly and scaling it is extremely tough. And like, I think sometimes we put the cart before the horse and we see the Mercedes G wagon and the Lamborghini and the nice boats and the rentals and everything. And we see all the, the success before we actually see the work. And that that's never been the case ever in history. Like you need to work your butt off for multiple years. Uh, you need to lift your head up. You need to work a few more years, then lift your head up and then go reward yourself. So you got to get pretty good at delaying gratification, I believe, as an entrepreneur, because if you truly want to grow this thing, it's going to take a ton of time, ton of effort, sacrifice and cash to keep it growing quickly. Um, and that's been my experience. And so don't get it twisted, like spend minimal time on social media, in my opinion, because um, you need just an incredible, incredible amount of hunger to push this thing to the nth degree to make sure that it gets proper lift off in your market. And I think if you're watching this to the end or listening, you probably underestimated how much hunger you actually need to make this thing succeed. So it needs to be I think a borderline obsession, especially in the first three, four, five years of business um, to really prove it that you have product market fit and this thing's a brand and it's bigger than just yourself, the owner. Um, you've got to really grind it out in the early stages. So I'll leave you with that as the top mistake I see. I see people taking too much of a, a lazy, fair um lackadaisical approach it's the weekend it's me time it's chill time like take the time off that you need but when it's time to dive in and bust your butt on this business like you've got to be all in on it if you want to get the rewards from it and that's ultimately why I went into entrepreneurship in the first place was because I could get rewarded for the effort that I put in and it excited me knowing that I control the inputs and if I work extra or build this next system or go market harder, I will get rewarded with more sales. And so it's a beautiful math equation where just inputs, your output is this is the culmination and the summation of the inputs that you put in and you just want to make sure that those inputs are put in properly so that you're happy with the output that you get so that wraps up everyone the the mistake six to ten this is a two-part series so pricing too cheap with our own wallets not marketing in the neighborhoods we work in doing a poor job reaching out to past clients to rebook them or even cross sell them not creating our core values and then underestimating the sheer hunger uh, and hustle that is needed to make this business succeed that rounds out part two of our top 10 mistakes that pressure washing business owners make, home service business owners make. If you missed part one, just wind it back to the previous episode, listen through it. And if you've listened through this, watched it, maybe do it a second time to make sure this really solidifies. And if you watch this whole thing, share it with a friend, number one, or put in the comments down below what was your biggest takeaway, because um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for watching, subscribing, sharing this around uh, means the world to me, and I hope that it brought you some value today. Thank you for listening to the episode today. If you want to get even more value from David, then book your free coaching call at homeservicebusinesscoach.com.